Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program very remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Friday, December 2nd, 2022. The Vatican Embassy in South Sudan says Pope Francis will be visiting the country next year. The ecumenical pilgrimage of peace to Juba, South Sudan, from 3rd to 5th February next year. And teaching staff at South Sudan's three public universities go on strike. The government, through the Ministry of Higher Education, has to adjust the salary of teaching staff based on the central bank rate. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The South Sudan government and some South Sudanese Catholics say they are excited to hear Pope Francis has rescheduled his visit. The head of the Vatican Embassy in Juba announced that Pope Francis will visit the Democratic Republic of Congo and South Sudan early next year after he cancelled a trip to both countries in July because of health problems. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Juba. The Child Affairs of the Vatican Embassy in South Sudan, Monsaino Ainut Paul Isratajaj, said yesterday Pope Francis will visit the Democratic Republic of the Congo and South Sudan earlier next year. Accepting the invitation of their respective heads of state and bishops, His Holiness Pope Francis will make the announced apostolic journey to the Democratic Republic of Congo from 31st January to 3rd February 2023, visiting the city of Kinshasa and together with the Archbishop of Canterbury and the moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland, the ecumenical pilgrimage of peace to Juba, South Sudan, from 3rd to 5th February next year. It will be the first papal visit to South Sudan, the world's newest country. The Vatican says the trip will include a visit with representatives from the charitable organizations in the DRC and in South Sudan, a meeting with internally displaced persons and an incommunicable prayer service. Barnaba Marial Benjamin, South Sudan's presidential affairs minister, welcomes the announcement, saying the Pope will be coming at a time when the South Sudanese people need support for peace, spiritual issues and humanitarian assistance. First, on behalf of the President of the Republic of South Sudan, uh, General Salva Kir Mayajit, his government and the people of South Sudan, including our Christian population and other religious citizenry of the Republic of South Sudan, we are extremely delighted that at last His Holiness the Pope has now officially announced to our people in South Sudan that he is going to be here. This is great news for the government and for the people of South Sudan. Zakaria Ibul, a Roman Catholic in Juba, says he is glad Pope Francis is willing to fly to Juba despite his health challenges. Ibul says he hopes the Vatican doesn't postpone the visit again, saying South Sudanese desperately need the Holy Father's blessings. We are very grateful and we are very happy and we are very looking forward for him to come. And we are very thankful to the Almighty God for having given him the opportunity after the first one was failed to come and pray with us in our in our beloved country South Sudan, which needs more blessings from the high the high the high the high uh, people of God. 
like him, the Pope. I wish him uh, excellent health, and I wish him better health, and I wish, I wish him very, very excellent health, so that uh, the, the, his coming again will not be postponed. In a dramatic gesture during a 2019 retreat at the Vatican with South Sudanese leaders, Pope Francis knelt and kissed the feet of President Salva Kiir and former rebel leader, First Vice President Riyad Machar. He urged both of them not to return South Sudan to civil war. Ivul says he hopes the Pope's visit will change minds and hearts in South Sudan. When we open our hearts quite clean and open and forgive each other, I am sure change will come to South Sudan because when God is with us, nobody is against us. And God is everything and he has the power and the authority and the ability to change things because he is our God and he is the God who gives us life. Boliai says even though he longs to see the Pope come to South Sudan, he doesn't expect much change because the pontiff has already talked and prayed with the country's leaders. We expect no much from his visitation because Pope met President Kir, Rebecca Nyandeng and Diak Machare, and they promised to make some changes and nothing else but materialize. After as he's going to come, I expect him just to come and make a visit to his fellow Christian, but nothing much will come from him. People are not respecting religious people in South Sudan yet. In South Sudan, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, and the moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland, Ayn Greenfields, will join the Pope for a series of events. They will include meetings in Juba's Freedom Hall with people displaced by famine and violence and a prayer service at the John Garang Mausoleum, the tomb of the leader of the Sudanese People's Liberation Army, whose movement led to the foundation of South Sudan in 2011, six years after his death. Pope Francis will celebrate Mass at the Mausoleum on the morning of February 5th. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Juba. From Juba, we move to Addis Ababa, where the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres praised Ethiopia Tigray ceasefire during his first visit to the country since the war broke out two years ago. He said the UN is scaling up aid to meet what he calls dramatic humanitarian needs. Fred Hatter reports for VOA from Addis Ababa. Speaking alongside African Union Commissioner Musa Faki Mahmed on Thursday, Guterres called on the international community to support Ethiopia following the signing of the ceasefire with Tigray last month. Ethiopia's Ministry of Finance says it will cost $20 billion to rebuild damage done to infrastructure during the two-year conflict. But donors, including the United States and the European Union, are yet to resume support that was cut off out of concern for human rights abuses. We appeal to the international community to support Ethiopia in its development. There is not a better way to consolidate peace than developing the country, uh, creating the conditions for the people to see the peace dividends people to see how peace contributes to improvement of the living conditions of the citizens of the country. And we'll be in the first line of advocating for international support for the development of uh, Ethiopia in this crucial moment of the history of the country. While in Addis Ababa, 
Guterres held a joint meeting with the AU's Faki and Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed. Guterres said that the conflicts in Ethiopia had resulted in more casualties than the war in Ukraine and added that implementation of the ceasefire was vital. This is an opportunity that Ethiopia cannot miss, that Africa cannot miss and that the world cannot miss. There were more casualties in the conflict in Ethiopia than in the conflict in Ukraine. People sometimes forget that this has been a dramatic conflict and what was achieved thanks to the mediation of the African Union is remarkable and it's the obligation of everybody, every in the world to do everything possible to support the African Union and to support the parties to make sure that we reach a final peace settlement. Under the terms of an implementation accord, the AU was due to deploy a monitoring team to Tigray by November 22. But diplomatic sources told VOA the team has yet to reach the northern region. The Tigray rebels have agreed to disarm their fighting force alongside the withdrawal of Eritrean and other non-federal forces from Tigray. But diplomats say Eritrean troops are still present. Aid has started to reach the region where 5.4 million people need humanitarian supports. Disarmament was due to be completed within 30 days of the ceasefire that was agreed on November 2. Ethiopia's government said Thursday that a committee tasked with organising the disarming of Tigray's fighters had convened in the city of Shire, adding that the committee's work had been delayed due to technical factors. Fred Harter for VOA News, Alice Alba, Ethiopia. Teaching staff at three South Sudan's five public universities have gone on strike demanding better pay. The chairperson for the Apanail University Staff Association says the staff have given one week for the government to address their grievances. The National Minister of Higher Education says he has forwarded the university lecturers' grievances to relevant government institutions and says the teaching staff should be patient. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayer reports from Juba. The strike affects three institutions, the University of Bahr al-Ghazal and the Upper Nile and Rumbeg Universities. Piro Kurding is the chairperson for the teaching staff of Upper Nile University. He tells South Sudan in focus a General Assembly meeting resolved to strike for several reasons. Uh, in a General Assembly, they come out with a resolution. Number one, the government, through the Minister of Higher Education, has to adjust the salary of teaching staff based on the central bank rate. Number two, we have also demand of our, our annual tickets. In 2019, it was also approved by the Council of Ministers. We did not receive all these things because it was approved together with the salary. Since 2019 until today, we did not receive annual tickets allowances. Kur says in 2019 the Council of Ministers approved an annual air ticket for all teaching staff ranging from 500,000 South Sudanese pounds to 1 million South Sudanese pounds. He says the Council of Ministers also adjusted salaries for the university lecturers to a new US dollar rate against the South Sudanese pounds. The teaching staff argues the U.S. dollar has continued to gain strength, so their salaries should be adjusted to the current central bank rate of 645 South Sudanese pounds per dollar. Joseph Lualdario, chairperson for the Teaching Staff Association for the University of Bar el-Ghazal, says the non-teaching staff at the University of Bar el-Ghazal are joining the fight for a salary adjustment. We have started yesterday with the, with the uh, sit-in strike. 
and uh, and as I'm talking to you now, I came out from uh, the trade union general assembly meeting. They, they are also on their meeting to decide on this issue of strike, and they have decided already. They are with us in the in the industrial election. Trade union is the bigger one. Is mother combining the two staff and and none as, uh, The teaching staff from the universities demand the government to act within one week. Otherwise, the strikers threaten to shut down the three institutions indefinitely. Gabriel Changson Chang, South Sudan's Minister for Higher Education, says the ministry has held several meetings with the instructors at the universities to address the issue amicably, but in vain. He says he has forwarded their demands to relevant levels of government, but says the staff are too impatient. Salary increase is a process. It is not done by the Ministry of Higher Education. It is a government policy. We already forwarded the new salary structure with a, we was developed by the universities. As I said, it is a process. And that process has several steps, and those steps must be taken, and they know very well. I, I discussed with them and told them that you wait here, the process comes to an end. While the government and the teaching staff continue to differ, students are expected to bear the brunt of the dispute. Guru says students at the University of Bahr el-Ghazal were preparing for examinations due to start on Monday, while students at the University of Upper Nile were preparing to resume lectures held this week. All that is on hold until the government and teaching staff end the dispute. John Manyang Dok is a fourth-year student at the University of Bahr el-Ghazal. It is seriously going to affect us because we are supposed to start our exam uh, on the 5th of December. Uh, that is next week on Monday. But uh, because of this uh, industrial action declared by the academic staff and, uh, and, uh, and, and the workers of the University of Al-Ghazal, I don't think whether they will make it. Some minutes ago there was a meeting and uh, there was no breakthrough in that meeting because they, 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 they are still insisting that there will be no exam on Monday. So some of us uh, have decided to leave to, to, to the various states, and uh, some of our, us are still here, but they are not committed. Uh, they, are, they are not committed to, to, to their books as they, they used to do in the past because we have, we have no hope. Manyang calls on the government to respond to the teaching staff's demands to enable him and his colleagues write their exams. For VOA News, I'm Manyang David Mayor in Juba. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa is in trouble. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today... What is your favorite meal? I like chips and uh, anything braai, whether chicken or, or beef. My favorite meal is our fish, mainly jambo, and uh, local vegetables like inkwani. 
I love chapati. Like, I, I don't know why I love chapati, but I just love chapati. There's no reason for loving it. Like, chapati is every day. My favorite meal is uh, jollof and rice with chicken. That, that would be best for me. My favorite food, matoke, that is banana and, um, and beans. Banana and beans, yes. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa has not yet responded publicly to critical findings about him. A panel of experts has found preliminary evidence that Ramaphosa violated his oath of office over an alleged cover-up of a burglary at his game farm. No criminal case has been opened yet, but some political analysts say the findings have dire consequences for the president, his ruling African National Congress Party, and the country. Tuso Komalo reports from Johannesburg. Presidential spokesperson Vincent Makwenya told journalists that President Cyril Ramaphosa will announce his response once he has started the panel's report. All options are on the table. What is important is choosing a path or a route that um, is in the interest of the country with respect to the stability of government as well as the stability of the country itself. And so that's what uh, will guide uh, the president in thinking through a number of those options that are available to him. Parliament gave the independent panel a clear task. It was assigned to finding out whether in his handling of the Palapala farm burglary, President Ramaphosa committed a serious violation of the constitution or the law or committed serious misconduct. The investigation was launched after reports surfaced that thieves broke into a house at Ramaphosa's farm in 2020 and stole millions of dollars, but that Ramaphosa did not report the theft to the police. Instead, according to the reports, Ramaphosa arranged for the thieves to be kidnapped and then bribed into silence. Ramaphosa has said a much smaller amount of money was stolen, which came from game sales, and that he reported the burglary at the time. After a month of investigation, the panel has made its findings known. It concluded that Ramaphosa, by running a game business that earns income, may have violated the law that prohibits members of the executive from doing paid work while holding office. It also found that he may have committed a serious violation of the anti-corruption law for failing to report the burglary to officers at a police station. The panel alleges this amounts to an abuse of power for using state resources and personnel in pursuing his private cash. The South African constitution states that a sitting president can be impeached if he commits a serious violation of the constitution or law or commits serious misconduct or is unable to perform functions of his office. The panel says Ramaphosa may have violated the first two. Richard Calland, an associate professor in public law at the University of Cape Town, told the media the findings have left Ramaphosa with few options. When a, a finding such as this is made against the sitting president, there's only one uh, implication is decide whether to resign or whether they should await a process that may lead to a similar conclusion. Opposition parties are already calling for Ramaphosa to resign.
The report comes at a time when the ANC is preparing for its elective congress, where Ramaphosa is running for a second term as party head. Some critics within his party are already calling on him to step down. The National Executive Committee of the African National Congress is meeting this evening to deliberate on the matter. Tusokumalo for VOA News to Hansbeck. Let us know your remarks on issues in this broadcast. My colleague Nabil Biyajo is ready with this week's listener comments. Over to you, Nabil. Thank you, John. As usual, we heard from several of you about our coverage of news and events. We start with these recorded messages that SSIF fans sent to us. This is Peter Gosanyang Mujongul in Akoba West town of Walgat. Dear John Tanza and Nobil, the tournament organized by the East Africa community country members that brought all the MPs to Juba is really a welcoming news and it's also the opportunity of learning. I wish this tournament should also be organized in other countries rather than possible. Hello, John and Nobil. This is Daniel Duda by Program Majok. I'm totally being impressed by the way African teams have performing in Qatar. At least you have shown to the world that you know how to play, you are talented, you are skillful, and you know how to communicate well in the pitch. Keep that performance going and actually by doing so, one of the teams, whether Ghana, Senegal, or Cameroon, will be crowned the champion of the World Cup. I love you and I appreciate you. The Africa is buying you. All the Africans are buying you. Thanks for the show. I'm James Ray Majok from Bentington. I Neville Bajo and Yon Tanza Mabuza. The CIS Governor Forum will create a conducive environment for every citizen in the country that will create peace and harmony among South Sudanese. As South Sudanese, we need peace and we need our government to work hard to achieve a peaceful, reflight peace agreement that they have signed with warring parties. Thanks. Hello, John and Will. I'm Dun Majongkurwai from Rumbel Lake State. Uh, the issue of the presidents of calling international community to, uh, to lift the arm embargo is not a solution to the people of South Sudan. The president himself should have hatched the economic cluster uh, to release the new salary structure uh, for, the, all, for the civil servants so that the people of South Sudan should enjoy their uh, services rather than calling the international uh, to lift uh, arm embargo uh, to the people of South Sudan. Uh, these arms are in the hand of civilian and militia. They should be removed and taken back to the army and uh, let the people of South Sudan enjoy their services rather than going and buy guns again which are killing ourselves in the country. Thank you very much. Mangu Idiba from Juba says, Thank you, John and Nabil, for keeping us in the loop on current world events. The donation made by the Norwegian government to FAO to provide seats and vaccines will not solve the chronic food insecurity in South Sudan. The International Monitoring Fund and the African Development Bank have also donated some millions for the same purpose. All these will not provide sustainable solutions. The best solution is to push the presidency and the Minister of Agriculture and Food Security 
to establish a semi-autonomous agricultural research institute to generate food production technologies in the country, same as everywhere in the world. Relief aid has never developed a country. Samuel Ramo, Inye says, Hi, John Tanzan Nabil Biagio. I personally appreciate the governor of Western Bahar Ghazali State for her good speech put over the media in the sixth governor's forum, which was held in Juba. Well done, honorable. This is the quality of leadership you need to show to your employers. We are behind you for the next coming election. Sabar Aiza Khamis in Yambi of Western Equatorial State says, Hi, VOA South Sudan in focus. The call by President Kier for lifting of the arms embargo on South Sudan is a genuine concern, but there is an urgent need for nationwide disarmament because the number of firearms in the hands of the local civilians is too much and is creating insecurity in the community and is standing as a big threat even to the smooth implementation of the current peace agreement. Thanks. Mal Adaumal in Bortown says, Hello, VOA South Sudan in focus. I personally do not agree with President Kier's call for arms embargo to be lifted. We have more guns from civilians than we could buy from the West. Why not just disarm these locals? Joel Philip Kwan in Bortown in Jongule State says, Hello, VOA. I expected the outcome from the Governor's Forum will be peace and stability in every state for its citizens. I hope also the Governor's Forum has been ended with addressing security, child abductions, raiding of cattle, delivering services to citizens and community, communal conflicts among the citizens themselves. Thanks. Thomas Kuntoj in Old Fangak Payam in Jongule State says, Hello, VOA South Sudan in focus. A fire outbreak from Old Fangak Payam market yesterday evening on Monday, the 28th of November 2022 at 7.30 p.m., 20 shops were burned down to ash. The cause was candlelit on top of a petrol drum. All commodities from those shops completely burned down and it is a very big disaster to all Fangak Payam traders as well as the whole community. Next one, Taban from Ye says, Good morning, John Tanza and Nabil. Thanks for keeping us enlightened on our internal happenings in South Sudan. My deepest concern remains the St. Gideon's Roman peace talks. The former Ye River state counties are still facing displacement, rape and killings. Areas like Mukaya Payam of Lanya County is still not accessible. We are calling on the government to resume the talks for the sake of the common people in South Sudan. Peace is in Juba and other few towns, but the common people in the village are in pain. Gatiak Wijar in Hyderabad, India says, I am deeply impressed by the Governor's Forum, which was concluded today in Juba, where I have been listening to many ministers and governors speaking frankly in a detailed manner on matters of the national concern, although most of them talked of challenges versus achievements. But I appreciate their courage for telling citizens the truth, despite the setbacks they still face. But to me, identifying the problem itself is a positive step towards remedying it. This listener says, Hello, VOA. I'm Dun Majok Korai from Rumbeke Lake State. The government of South Sudan should protect the Numuli Highway to avoid the loss of life along the road. Otherwise, my condolences to the entire family across the country. James Mading Gola Cage in Juba, South Sudan says, Our politicians put their interests above the nation and their innocent South Sudanese people who are tired of internal wars. Something so unfortunate. 
The views expressed here do not reflect the views of VOA or of this program. We appreciate hearing from all of you. Keep those comments coming. Keep your voice and text messages brief, and we shall sample some of them every Friday. Our WhatsApp number is plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That's all we prepared for you this Friday. We now leave you with the song "Endless Hope" by the Icon Alone. I'm your host, John Tanza, in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us next week for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.